0: Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of ageing well. Marcus Pierce here with you for I think episode 443 and as always, I get to do this podcast alongside Australia's number one wellness expert. He's now changed his mission in life to become Australia's oldest man, Australia's oldest man-in-waiting, Dr. Damien Christoph, How are you, legend?
2: <laughs> Great, Pierce. That's hilarious. I'm getting closer every day, I've got to tell you uh but uh mate gee you say some funny things it gives me little shivers and nervousness but we are interviewing one of the greatest um greatest men to ever live in australia and we're we're joined today by a beautiful guest i can't wait for you to introduce janet it's uh it's gonna be really good it's gonna be great and um but how are you? How's, how's things up in sunny Byron Shire? Yeah, yeah. Are you traveling we're going, we're
0: going very well. We're going well. And you did, you did say that this has been – I can hear an echo from Marcus. Oh, no, surely there's no echo going on here. You can't oh, hear an echo, no. can you, Damo? No. No. All right. I'll carry on. Um, no, we are going I'll just well.
2: Down, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll turn it down so then that should we make us better.
0: No worries. I was doing some reflecting on our 100 Not Out journey. And did you know that on Episode 17 of 100 Not Out, our interview no. with Dexter Kruger on July – Nineteen, I think it was, was our very first interview with a centenarian. Dexter was 104, and we had no idea that our first centenarian guest would go on to become yeah. the oldest man in the history of our country ever to live. Dexter lived to 111 years, 188 days, not only becoming the oldest man in Australia, but the oldest living human being until his death on July 20 of this year, 2021. Dexter was also the world's oldest active author, and you know what they say, Damo, behind every 111-year-old author is an incredible transcriber, <laughs> and that transcriber slash ghostwriter and dear friend of Dexter Kruger's is Janet Rowlings, who joins us again on 100 Not Out to celebrate his life and times. Janet, welcome back to the podcast. Thank
1: you so much, Marcus, and hello, Damo. How are you?
2: hey Janet. It's so great to have you uh, driving with us right now. Uh, it feels like we're here. sitting in this car, in the seat next to you in the car. Um, okay. But uh, thank you so much for carving out some time to share some time with us um, because we loved Dexter. We loved the story of Dexter. We loved him writing the books, and, uh, and, and we loved you uh, being part of that journey. And it's been just over a month since you said goodbye to Dexter. Um, I suppose the question on our lips is, how have the last couple of months been for you since Dexter moved on?
1: Oh gosh, it's yeah, been very weird, very sad. If I burst out crying, you'll know why. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, like when anyone dies, it's sad. I mean, obviously, when somebody lives to 111 years, 188 days, you know they're going to die. But yeah. you know, when they when they go it's on true. and on and on like that, you kind of just assume that it's not going to happen anytime soon. So there were two uh, milestones that he didn't reach that I really thought he would have reached and so I sort of wasn't really prepared, I guess. So, yeah, it's been a little bit sad.
0: Tell us what those milestones were, Janet. Yeah.
1: Well, the first one was the publication of his autobiography, which I had worked with him on for two and a half years. And he lived to see the book sent off to the printers and he actually um, lived to see it, well, to hear that it it had left the warehouse in Sydney. So the night before he died... I said to him, Dexter, the book has left Sydney today. It'll be here on Wednesday. Do you think you'll make it? And he didn't answer me, and I thought, oh, dear. <laughs> so And he <sighs> didn't. He passed away the next day, so he didn't actually ever get to see the book, which was really sad. And the second one was to see the release of the documentary that screened last night on Compass, Uh, the 110-plus club, Dexter Kruger was here. So, yeah, he never got to see that either, unfortunately.
0: Now, tell us about the 110-plus club because our first, um, I suppose, interview with Dexter was on the back of him being featured in the 100-plus club, which included Dexter and Ruth Frith, who we also interviewed uh, on this podcast. But I imagine that the documentary wasn't intending to – Capture his passing, as you said, it was it was meant to be a, a story about his life, and it, it just so happened that um, he died in the process of the documentary being recorded. Can you take us into that timeline?
1: Yes, so it definitely wasn't supposed to cover his passing. It was supposed to cover the book launch. So we had done the second last filming at the, on the seventeenth of May when he. Um, became the oldest man ever to live in Australia. And that was just the most wonderful day. It was really a high. He had an absolutely wonderful day. He was just so excited. He had a couple of interviews by phone. He just, you know, just loved it. And so that was a really, really good filming day. And then Mandy from Flick Chicks was supposed to be coming back when the book arrived. And so we were on a timeline because the Compass program was screening at the end of August. And I think they needed – I think the ABC needed it three weeks early. So I – and she, of course, had to finish the editing and get it to them. So I was on a um, bit of a timeline to get the book finished and have it back here ready for her to film. And so we had the the date ready. We were all kind of ready for – you know, the book was going to take three weeks to print. It was going to be back here. She was going to come out for the weekend. We were going to do this big book launch. She was going to – you know – talk up the book and, and everything and um yeah he kind of just got sick and died so he wrecked the plans a bit. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. Dexter, you wrecked it. Oh Jeepers. Um I watched that documentary um the other day. It must be I thought it actually already gone to air. So I feel even... it went
1: to air last it went to air last week and it's then it repeated last night.
2: Oh, is that what happened right? Okay. Yep. So it was great to watch it and just to to go through that story and to see the little country town that you guys live in and, um, and how tight that country town is. It was just, it it was so beautiful. And that, The um, nursing home that Dexter was in reminded me a lot of my grandfather and the nursing home that he was in. And then Dexter himself sounded a lot like my grandfather and looked like a lot like my grandfather. And it was very emotional for me watching that. Um,
1: Yeah, it would have been, yeah.
2: uh, Because my grandfather was only 15 days short of turning 100. And and so he was young compared to Dexter. Um, You know, he was pretty much only middle-aged compared to Dexter. But um, still, like – you know, it's it's a special time. But the one incredibly unique thing about your experience with Dexter, Jana, is how many stories you got to recount and how many stories you got to transcribe and write. And um, and and I'm sure that now that he's passed, uh, his legacy would have become even more apparent to you now. Would that be right? Yes.
1: And
2: and would what do you think that legacy think? is?
1: Oh. Look, I don't honestly know. The day that I realized that he was two years old when the Titanic sunk was the day that I literally just pinched myself and went, I cannot believe I'm sitting with a man who was alive when the Titanic sunk. You know, it was just that sort of a moment where I just went, wow, like the history, the significance of the history that I was recording was just, I was just blown away by it.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, it is. It's incredible, isn't it? It really is incredible. But even watching you, like when... um. When we learnt that Dexter was writing books and and that you were helping him with those books um in my mind, I kind of pictured those books being maybe stapled together. But watching you ringbind them um, and seeing how you're doing that, I was like, "Oh, this is so cool! This is so cool!" And it gave, it actually made me feel like you know, there was a comment in the documentary where you talk about, you know, um, if Dexter can write a book, then anybody can write a book, something like that. But it made me feel like I could write a book uh, yeah. because all I have to do is just ring-bind it. So uh, that was uh, that was cool.
1: Yeah, so when he first started, I think um, so Bob Matthews was working with him, and I think they from the stories that he told that um, Dexter told me, they bought a big stapler and they bought some like binding tape and things, and they used to actually staple. I think that was the first book they used to staple it up and bind it and things like that. And then I'm not sure when they started ring binding them. I'm not really sure about that. When he had the first seven books finished, he went to the local printers and asked them if they would put them together. And so they used to ring-bind those books together themselves. Mm-hmm. And then so there was another girl in between Bob and I, Rebecca George, who worked for our local paper, and she did one book with him. Actually, I think she did two books, but he never sold the second book. Um, so that book was put into that album of eight. So then he sold that album of eight that were that were spiral-bound together. And so when I started with him, um, I had a binding machine and I had some binding combs, and I was like, oh, I could do that. So I just used to buy the covers and... And just do those four individually. But what we, now that he's passed on talk to his son about it and we're going to actually get the printers to print those off as an album, those, the collection of those four books too and I won't keep doing that because, you know, that was obviously very time-consuming. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Now, Janet, uh, when we interviewed Dexter back in 2013, he was telling us about some of the foods that he liked to enjoy and I still I have to go back and listen to it but I, I'm still trying to get the name of it right but he kind of, we almost go forward that Damien and I didn't know this particular type of pig dish that he actually liked to enjoy. He kind of called it like pig skittle or some form of uh, German food or whatever. But what I found really interesting was that over the years, and again, as a journalist by profession, I can totally get it, the mass media would try and find out Dexter's superfood of longevity. There's been articles written about Dexter and his love of chicken's brains and then there's others around prawns and sardines. And when we spoke to Dexter, It was actually coffee and cake, two servings of cake every day, one morning tea, one afternoon tea, and then a third coffee at midnight to help him sleep. (laughs) Now, (laughs) we want to know from someone that has known Dexter for over 30 years, you spend more time eating and drinking with this man than probably anyone else except for maybe his son. What would you say for everyone out there looking for Dexter Kruger's biohack, the oldest man ever to live in the history of our country, what is Dexter Kruger's Diet that we've all got to latch onto and start uh, eating every day, or else we'll die. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, that, that question just makes me laugh so much because the the prawn question, uh, the prawn statement just made me just laugh and laugh and laugh because I think he only started eating prawns when he was 111. So you know he loved he loved prawns for Christmas, and so he would always have prawns at Christmas time. And I remember one year I made some of my special sauce and took it up for him, and he really enjoyed that with the prawns. Anyway, he used to like the really little prawns, which I love the huge. And I took him prawns one time and he was like, oh, they're not cooked enough, take them back. And I'm like, they're already cooked, you buy them cooked. <laughs> he's like, no, take them back and cook them. And I'm thinking they're going to be hard as rock. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the um, prawn, prawn story used to really make me laugh. The chicken brain story was hysterical and I just thought that was a bit of a gimmick. And so when that sort of, you know, it popped to Newsweek, it was all over the place. And I said to him, Now you were kidding about that, weren't you? And he went, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Are you serious? He said, When I was a kid, when we lived at home, he said we'd kill the chickens and we would eat every part of them. We would eat the feet, they were delicious. We'd eat the brains, they were delicious. He's like, There's only one little mouthful in a chicken's head. I was like, Okay. Because <laughs> I just thought that was a joke. But I don't honestly think there was any gimmick about it. I think just the fact that he grew up on the land, they used to have, they grew their own vegetables, they grew their own. Um, Fruit, you know, fruit. They raised cattle, they raised pigs, they raised chickens. They just had a variety of food. It wasn't processed food. It wasn't packaged food. You know, in in his later times, obviously he ate a lot of coffee and cake. But I think as he was growing up, really, I think he just ate fruit and vegetables and and meat off the farm, and you know, nothing that was kind of, um, yeah, I think no processed stuff was probably a big a big thing about it, really.
2: Mm. I think – I'm so glad you said that, Janet, because when we were talking to Dexter, it kind of blew my mind that he was having all this cake and coffee at the wrong times of the day and – and not really drinking much water, et cetera, et cetera. I was kind of going, oh my gosh, this blows all of my nutrition study out of the water. Like, And, and so from that point on, from that episode on in, what was that, 2011, um, I was, well, it was, maybe 2012, 2013?
0: 2013,
2: 2013, 2013, yeah. Yeah, 2013, um, I was, I've had to re, because of Dexter, I've had to reshape all of my nutrition information because Dexter blew it all out of the water, right? But to hear you say what you just said about Dexter having fresh fruit and vegetables, living off the land, nothing processed, that kind of makes sense because that's what all the other centenarians in the world have always done. So they've been off the land, they eat fresh fruit and vegetables, they drink lots of water, but the other thing they do is they exercise, they move a fair bit. And in um, in the documentary, it shows... Uh, dexter being quite active he was still quite active he was you know doing rehab and exercises and a little bit of yoga from time to time how important do you think dexter's movement was to his longevity
1: oh, absolutely that was the major thing i thought about before I got onto this interview today I thought what are the three things that I could take away from you know what I've learned from dexter and I think in a nutshell it's eat better move more stress less you know he just He never stopped moving. Like he just, he said in the documentary that if he stopped doing his exercises, he would die. Like he, he, I think a big part of him going downhill was when he stopped walking to the dining room when he was being pushed in a wheelchair. And the reason he did that was because he had so much pain in his feet. It was too painful for him to walk. But I really think that exercising, like he used to go out onto that veranda every day and do his 13 and a half minutes. When he was well enough, he used to do that three times. And, you know, towards the end, he'd only do one repetition of all of those exercises. But I think that was really important. Like Mm. he just, he said when he first got there, like they do exercises in the home, but they're little things like, you know, they have a a recording and they pass a ball to each other and, you know, things like that. And he said to me, if I kept doing that, I would have ended up bedridden. (laughs) 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 And I just laughed. I thought, well, you know, the other, other people are coping with it. But yeah, I think he just, decided, you know, very early on in life that, you know, you need to be active. And um, I am not active, but, yeah, it's one of the things that I really need to take on board from him because I think that's really, really important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things I want to find out from you. One of them is what was in your special sauce? Was that mayonnaise and tomato sauce? Is that what was in your special sauce? <laughs>
1: so it's, not a, it's not a secret. It's in the Women's Weekly Cookbook. It's right. the best um, prawn sauce recipe ever. Just, right. Yeah, fabulous. <laughs> Um, okay. So
2: yes, yeah. So it's not it's just not your it's not your typical Thousand Island dressing. It's it's a little bit something more special than that.
1: No, I don't like buying Thousand Island dressing. No.
2: <laughs> okay, good. And the other thing, which I think is a little bit more important, uh, do you reckon uh, that Dexter is looking up at you or down from heaven <laughs> at you right now? <laughs>
1: That's really funny. When when, when we did the final filming, so, you know, as I said, it was all sort of, you know, just went to pieces and and didn't finish how it was supposed to. So Mandy came out for the funeral and and, um, I had a short interview on Channel 7, which thankfully didn't ball through, which was good. So then Mandy filmed uh, the day after the the funeral and I was just thinking, oh, this is just going to be a nightmare. And I did say to her, do you want to ask me where I think Dexter is? And she said, no, I don't want to go there. And I said, I'm quite happy to do that because – in the documentary, I talk a lot about my faith. Yes. And I have said to a lot of people since, I'm not God. I'm not his judge. I've got no idea what happened in Dexter's life in the last nine and a half hours. I was with him until midnight the night before he died. He passed mm. away in the morning. Um, you know, he was with it. As far as I'm aware, he was with it until he died. Like, mm. I just think I've got no idea what happened in the last nine and a half hours. So I choose to believe that when he was presented with Jesus, that he made the right decision.
2: Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a great
0: answer. Absolutely, yeah. it's a yeah. I think that that is a that is a wonderful answer, and I think because it is a bit um, for a better term. When I was watching it, uh, Janet, it is it is almost unsettling how much it does someone's life and death and the lead up to it. It does really play on our own heart and soul, and I I really commend you on being so honest and vulnerable yeah. with your emotions and your words. You know in the recording yeah. of the documentary because it was something that really you could feel it through the TV, um, how much it was yeah. something that you were grappling with. And it is something that no doubt, but I loved how um, respectful you were. That was what I really enjoyed, particularly at times like this where the nation and the world seems very polarized and there's only a right and a wrong. I love the nuances of your relationship with Dexter and there's a real mutual respect, which I think a lot of us can, can learn about. Now, um, I think it was good in the documentary that we all got to know that the autobiography has been written. But now we want to know how we can get our hands on it because you do have it now. And I was, as I was talking to you in the, you know, in the lead-up, I suppose I was chatting with you a couple of weeks, I think, or a week before Dexter passed away. Yeah. You know, as as someone who's also written a book, you and I were waxing lyrical on how you get the message out there and the book out there. It's so important, yeah. I think, as I've you know, one of my favorite books. Do I have it on the bookshelf here? Is A B Faces a fortunate life, and it was one of those books that really taught me what it was like to be um, almost like you know a man growing up in Australia. And I really think that Dexter's book um, would be a great book for anyone to read—not even not just a male, but just growing up in Australia, um, in the country yeah. that we live in. So, how do people get their hands on the book, and tell us a little bit more about it?
1: has a Facebook page so not his own personal Facebook page but it's a page called Dexter Kruger Australia's oldest man we've, I think we're up to 3,200 followers which he'd be very thrilled about that we've got more followers since he died um, so yeah just if unfortunately the buy now or shop now or whatever called button is not working I don't know why so if people just message that page I will get back to them and give them bank details and they can deposit so the book costs $35 and it's $10 postage so I can post anywhere across Australia And for forty five dollars.
0: So good. Now, is it called the Life and Times of Dexter Kruger? It is. That's it.
1: The life. And and so, in the in the documentary, you would have seen me sending off a copy of the book to the National Library. So that's part of the story as well. The National Library actually wrote to Dexter earlier this year and asked for a a copy of his collection. And so he got me to write back to them and say, "My full collection costs one hundred and (laughs) twenty (laughs) five dollars. Thank you." And so I just laughed. Anyway, sent the letter off, and of course, you know, they weren't going to pay that money. So we get the letter back from them, and Dexter was like, well, I'm not sending them one. But I just went righto. Anyway, left <laughs> it a few weeks, and then finally he says to me, you know, I think it's an honour, actually, to be asked to put my books in the National Library. I said, I think it is too, Dexter. He said, I think we should send them a set. And I said, I think we should too. Let's wait until your autobiography's done, and then we'll send that off. So, yeah, <laughs> that's why that, that scene was pretty bittersweet too, because he never got to see me send them off to them.
2: That's wow. awesome. It's that good that awesome.
0: he gave you the nudge to do it though before he died. Yeah, you yeah, know? Oh,
2: that's so good. Uh, but it sounds um, very. A different. few I, weeks ago, yeah. yeah, a few weeks ago, Janet, I um I was listening uh, to Macca, um a Macca um yeah all over. yeah Sundays with Macca, and and I called up and spoke about Dexter. Um, oh cool. Which is quite cool because they were talking about him and you know uh, I, I don't know whether or not it was just after his birthday it must have, was no, it, was after it was just, just, after, he was just after he passed away yeah just after he passed away that's right, right. and so maka was talking about it and uh, and i managed to jump on there and Say, I'd, you know I'd interviewed Dexter and he was a lovely man and i didn't but I didn't obviously I didn't really know him much more than than just that but I think that piqued a lot of people's interest and a lot yeah. of people will want to know more about dexter and read about him and, uh, and I'm so yeah. glad that you've been able to you know, put pen or put pen to paper and and make a make volumes about Dexter. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, when when I suggested the autobiography is like, why are we doing this? You know, I've already written twelve books, all of my life stories in the twelve books. I said, Dexter, no one's going to read twelve books to find out your life story. <laughs> so we went through <laughs> the, the books that Bob had put together. We went through them, and I read through the stories that were about him, and he told me which ones he wanted in the autobiography, and then the one you know, out of the four books that I'd done we pulled out some more and then we added some more detail especially about his childhood and, and you know, like we took we'd taken bits out and we'd add bits in. So yeah, I I'm really happy with it. Like it was a huge job. I did say to him, if I'd known what was involved in this, I'd never
0: would have done it. And he
2: said, well, I'm glad you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah, absolutely. Well done.
0: Well, no, con- yeah, serious congratulations much. to you and for all of the years of friendship and support that you gave Dexter and again, I know I was joking at the beginning but we, deadly, we, we mean it, the fact that you were his transcriber, not just his friend but his transcriber and his ghostwriter and I think yeah. the 110 plus club, you know, just shows how much effort it takes to be a transcriber of a 111-year-old, um, without yeah. that commitment uh, and tenacity, yeah, you know that, that book wouldn't exist. And we thank you so much, Janet. Um, we want all of our listeners and viewers to head on over to um, the Dexter Kruger Facebook page, message uh, Janet directly, and she will contact you in order to organise the payment and the delivery. Uh, so that is Dexter Kruger, Australia's oldest man. Is that right, Janet? Absolutely. Right. Yep. You can get those details on Facebook. You can also search for the 110 plus club. Dexter Kruger was here on iview. We'll post the link to the uh, documentary in the show notes. Um, and more than anything, we just want to uh, have all of our listeners and uh, members of the 100 Not Out community be aware of the, um, of the mentor and the example that Dexter Kruger was in living the 100 Not Out lifestyle. Janet, as always, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it.
0: No worries at all. Damo, thanks for your wisdom as always. Great, man.
2: Thank you, P.C. Uh, so great to chat with Janet and uh, thanks for organizing that. Thank you, Janet. It's great.
0: To all of our 100 on our community here on Facebook and listening, make sure you head on over to Christoph.com myself, MarcusPierce.com.au. Thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. And until next time, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now.